From Coney Island to Greenwood Cemetery to Prospect Park, Brooklyn has a whole lot to offer locals and tourists alike. The borough has a tremendously rich history with a variety of vibrant neighborhoods. Many of those neighborhoods have seen a great deal of change over the years. Freelance writer Ellen Freudenheim has witnessed that change firsthand. She's a longtime resident of Brooklyn and recently completed her fourth guidebook to the borough. It's called The Brooklyn Experience, the ultimate guide to neighborhoods and noshes, culture, and the cutting edge. Ellen is with me now in the studio. Ellen, hello. Well, hi. How are you? Very good. So, Ellen, describe Brooklyn for me in one word. Happening. Happening. Brooklyn is... Can I do more than one word? Go ahead now, yes. Brooklyn is wildly diverse, full of personality, safe to visit, and... A really interesting experience that's quite different from the experience of Manhattan. Are you native to Brooklyn? No, that's why I write books about Brooklyn. <laughs> but I've lived there for 30 years, which makes me nearly native. Where in Brooklyn are you? I live in Park Slope near Prospect Park and not far from Grand Army Plaza for those who know it. And is that where you settled 30 years ago? Yes. I, I live in the same house that we bought 30 years ago when we were fleeing Manhattan. It's tiny, tiny cramped spaces with a growing family. And, you know, we really didn't want to move to the suburbs. And Brooklyn was just on the cusp of happening. And we took a gamble. And I have to say that if someone had told me then that I'd be there for 30 years, I would have gone screaming you know, screaming in the other direction because it seemed impossible to plan that far. But Brooklyn's worked out. Brooklyn has been on an upward trajectory at exponential speed for the last 25 years or so. So how has your neighborhood changed in three decades? Well, my neighborhood is much safer than it was. There were gunshots the, the night we moved in, and we wondered what did we do, what had we done huh. with our money. Hard to imagine that in Park Slope today. Yes, um, Prospect Park is wonderful and better kept, and full of activities and things to do, including Celebrate Brooklyn, which is an amazing summer music festival. And Park Slope is very interesting because there's a street called Fifth Avenue, which is a shopping street, and it's near a subway. And when we moved in. Fifth Avenue was spotty and in some cases dangerous and not a place that you would really go during for dinner. And it's now a hotspot. And there's lots of places in Brooklyn, most of Williamsburg and a lot of parts of Bushwick, for instance, which have followed that same trajectory of uh, going from pretty rough and tumble to destination parts of Brooklyn. That being said, there is a lot of concern about that as well, that people can no longer afford to live in Brooklyn, that people of lesser economic means have to leave Brooklyn. Well, you know, there are two and a half million, probably 2.6 million residents in Brooklyn. And that story of gentrification and displacement has gotten a lot of play. And it, it is true and it is a risk. But there are large swaths of Brooklyn where working class people live, continue to live, middle-class people live and continue to live. It's in the very um, high-profile neighborhoods like Park Slope or Carroll Gardens or maybe Fort Greene and certainly Williamsburg, where there used to be a wider range of housing prices. And with that, the demographic shifts. But yes, Brooklyn is, there's enormous pressure on the real estate prices in Brooklyn and for particularly people coming in new now or renters. Displacement is an issue. What would you say is the most affordable neighborhood in Brooklyn right now? Um, well, sort of. You know, New York City real estate is always a, tr a trade-off. I think 
If you really want affordability, affordability, go to Flatbush. Flatbush is an enormous neighborhood. If you think Brooklyn College, it's the area around it, but Flatbush is where Woody Allen grew up. It's a very diverse neighborhood with sub-pockets, and you can find things in Flatbush, but you have to be willing to do this commute. On the other hand, an awful lot of people work from home um, or work from home part-time, and with with sort of cyber commuting, cyber work, distance work, uh, it's possible to live in a pretty nice place if you don't mind not being out late at night in Manhattan because then getting home is a, a problem. Right. There's Red Hook lot, is also one of those remote communities, but Red what an amazing community. Red Hook does no public transportation. Yeah. And it's hardly a community, really, because there's not that much housing there. I mean, there are little, these little pockets, Kensington, Prospect Lefferts Gardens, um, Windsor Terrace, parts of Windsor, Windsor Terrace, which people refer to as suburban Park Slope. You know, Bushwick, there are parts of Bushwick that are really happening. I mean, you have to be able to live with gritty and edge. But a lot of people like gritty and edge. There are parts of Bay Ridge and Bay Ridge, which are Sunset Park. Sunset Park is terrific. Fifth Avenue in Sunset Park is Latino. Eighth Avenue in Sunset Park is Chinese. Down by the waterfront is what used to be Bush Terminals, now Industry City, where they do all kinds of expositions and it's very interesting there. It's an area under development. That's kind of a cool area. There's a lot of little places in Brooklyn. You have to know where to go to look. And really, Brooklyn evolved following the subways. You know, the subways start to roll out and developers would buy swaths of land and develop it. So you sort of have to look at the subway you want to be near to and play it from there. I would imagine you spent a lot of time on the subway in doing this guidebook. Subway, I walk a lot. Really, the only way to see Brooklyn is to walk. I mean, a lot of people bike. I have to say, now with there's huge numbers of bike lanes in Brooklyn. A lot of people bike to Manhattan for work. So that's another that's another way to go. But um, yeah, I, I, I love to walk around Brooklyn. And I see things all the time. And it's very amusing. It's very interesting. And it changes all the time. And as we were saying before, often when I if I, if I haven't been to a given neighborhood, let's say Bay Ridge, for six or eight months, and then I come round again and delve into that, or Bensonhurst. You know, Bensonhurst used to be Italian. Mm-hmm. The Honeymooners was set in Bensonhurst. It's now largely Chinese. It's fascinating how it shifts. But the something about the neighborhood structure is it's like a vessel that holds these different ethnic groups. The neighborhood stays the neighborhood, even though the people sometimes change. It's a very interesting place, Brooklyn. What was one of the more interesting things you recently stumbled upon on a walk in Brooklyn that surprised you? Oh, let's see. Well, honestly, I was walking into downtown Brooklyn on a Tuesday afternoon, and I was stunned by the sounds, the audio of construction. This is a boom town. There are skyscrapers going up there. I mean, Brooklyn never had a skyline. Brooklyn's biggest, tallest building was the Williamsburg Savings Bank. That has been completely outstripped. It's positively quaint now. If you walk it to down, into downtown Brooklyn, it's literally a boom town. And so what? What I, I knew that. I've known that. But to walk through it and to hear the sounds of construction, it's awesome. You know, Brooklyn has experienced booms in the past. But not in the last 30 or so years until quite recently. And so you, one experiences this is new, even though, you know, when the Brooklyn Navy Yard was at its height, 
that was a boom town too. Everything around it was a boom town. And the docks, when the docks, you know, on the waterfront was based on the Brooklyn waterfront, that movie. And there was, there were, was a booming, you know, there was housing being built, there were jobs being created, there were, you know, food stores, maybe not fancy restaurants because it was working class, but a real vibrant life. Brooklyn's full of these interesting here and nows, then and nows. I mean, Brooklyn is full of these interesting then and nows. You can connect today's boom experience to previous booms. And in my book, I try to do that. Yeah, I was going to say you do that in yeah. your book. You have old Brooklyn and you have new, new Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Well, the important thing is the interlacing between them. And uh, one of my favorite parts of this book, at least to do, was the timeline, which tried to connect what you can see today to its antecedents. So, for instance, the Dutch settled Brooklyn. And Brooklyn is based on the Brooklyn, the original Dutch town of Brooklyn, which, by the way, no longer exists. I checked that out. Mm. And uh, you can go see an original Dutch farmhouse in Brooklyn. This is very cool to me. (laughs) You know, Walt Whitman was editor of the Eagle, the Brooklyn Eagle. There is still a Brooklyn Eagle. It's Uh a different paper. It's edited by somebody else. But there are these mom- these points of continuity. You know, there's an enormous warehouse in Dumbo that was a tobacco warehouse, and it was called the Tobacco Warehouse. It's a gorgeous building that's been retrofitted to be St. Anne's Theater, St. Anne's Warehouse Theater. And it's a very dramatic space, and there's a lot of excellent theater that, that occurs there off-off-Broadway, sort of experimental European imports, very interesting stuff. And so you're in this historic site, in view of the Brooklyn Bridge, and you're watching, you know, Shakespeare done by an all-women female cast from England. It's just, there's a lot of these points of continuity. This is your fourth guidebook about Brooklyn in the last 25 years. Unbelievable, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, would you like to know how that happened? Yes, please. My husband and I moved to Brooklyn more or less unwittingly. Uh, We needed space. We were living in 600 square feet and had a baby on the way, and We never expected to stay in Brooklyn for decades or the rest of our lives. And we saw this house. There was the price of a small apartment in Manhattan. And we bought it and we moved in And after we fixed it up a little bit. And then we realized we didn't have a clue where we were. And we were both already book authors. And we were sort of stuck at home with an infant. So we figured we'd write something about Brooklyn. But we found no sources except for our neighbor, Sharon Golden. Sharon would always say, you need shoes? Go to Avenue J. <laughs> I had no idea where any of these places were. So we were we were going to desktop publish it at first um, and do it ourselves. And then we realized the borough was really big. So we found a publisher, who St. Martin's Press, that bought the first book. And I'm proud to say that the editor at that time lived in Queens. And after editing our book, she moved to Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was the first book. It was sort of an exploration of the ethnically authentic neighborhoods of Brooklyn. At that time, Bensonhurst was Italian and Greenpoint was Polish. It's now kind of hipster. And Carol Gardens was quite Italian. And it's now a little French, actually, and fairly well-to-do. And Windsor Terrace was deeply, deeply Irish. Farrell's Bar is there, the famous Farrell's Bar. Um, and now that's kind of gentrified too. And Bedford-Stuyvesant, which is now also becoming gentrified and whiter, was a historic black community as Harlem, you know, is. And so this book, the first book, was a celebration of these ethnically diverse communities. A lot has happened in these 25 years. And so, the, so the, several books later, I now have a book which 
talks about the ethnic diversity, but it's no longer quite as neighborhood and geographically specific as it mm-hmm. had been. So yeah, a lot's happened, and each time I'm sort of thrilled to be privileged enough to get to talk about what is happening in Brooklyn, because right now there are so many creative people. There's a tremendous creative oomph there and synergy. There's a lot of music that's being created there. There's tons of artwork and artists of all kinds. There, you know, Brooklyn's literary renaissance is famous. So there's really a creative, not only creative economy, but creative life that is happening in the borough. And it's very exciting to be there now. Yeah, so much coming out of Brooklyn, so much being done even at places like BAM. I mean, and how that has grown. BAM is enormous now. BAM started as the BAM Opera House and then renovated the Harvey. And now they have the uh, Fisher, which is right next door. And next to the Harvey on Fulton Street, they're opening up a space that will be a an art space and an exhibit space on the ground floor and a little restaurant re- and then across the street, next to the Mark Morris, well, actually across the street from Mar- the Mark Morris Dance Company's home, is a new building that will have two more movie theaters and the BAM archives, which are called the Ham BAM archives. Not because anybody's a ham, but because H-A-M-M was the philanthropist who funded it. Huh. And BAM goes back 150 years. So this is theater. This is a theater history for 150 years, which is in a way, the history of American culture. And BAM is awesome. BAM is just awesome. They do amazing work with the community. Their their offerings are particularly the Next Wave Festival. You never know what you're going to find. It's really cutting-edge stuff. Um, It's a tremendous force. So is St. Anne's Warehouse and this new-ish entity called the Brick House, which is a physical plant, physical space, which is where the organization BRIC lives. Brick is the sponsor of Celebrate Brooklyn. And they have in their new space on Fulton Street, right next to the Harvey Theater, they have amazing programs. It's a really interesting cultural space for community groups of all kinds. So if you really, really want to get the flavor of Brooklyn, going to the Brick House is a very interesting way to do it. Brooklyn was once a hub for manufacturing. A lot of products came out of Brooklyn, including Sweet and Low. Mm-hmm. Is a lot still being developed in Brooklyn? Oh, well, that's moved. The, the heavy industry has, of course, moved. And what we have now is artisanal small batch locavore creative production. So if you go onto Etsy, which is a website, but Etsy, the company, is based in Brooklyn, and you just drop down the onto the drop-down menu and just say Made in Brooklyn, you get tons of stuff. You see that online there. So anybody listening who doesn't plan to go to Brooklyn could just check out Brooklyn, Made in Brooklyn, Etsy products. There's a lot of manufacturing. Um, there are incubators now, incubator kitchens, incubator manufacturing spaces, advertising. The, uh, Dumbo is an advertising center for uh, ad agencies. There's a, um, a tech triangle, which comprises downtown Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Navy Yard, and Dumbo. And there's in the Brooklyn Navy Yard, there's a whole effort to grow sustainable kind of green industries. Ditto Industry City. So you don't have Pfizer Pharmaceuticals. I'll tell you a funny story about that. They don't, you don't have Pfizer Pharmaceuticals anymore and the enormous brewing industry that you had in North Brooklyn. But you've got tons of microbreweries. Mm-hmm. And the Pfizer building has been retrofitted to have kitchens for these small batch locavore little 
cool, for instance, Brooklyn Soda, I believe, is still there, or I believe Brooklyn Soda is there. There's a roster. They take they took the Bunsen burner from the farm, the old Pfizer building, and they turned them into kitchens. It was zoned for this. And kind where of, is that located? That's in in Williamsburg. It's, okay. Um, so it's just really interesting that so the economy today, the creative economy in Brooklyn, is generating jobs. And I have to say, relative to my my book about Brooklyn, my guidebook to Brooklyn, tourism is a huge industry now. When I moved to Brooklyn. You know, in the 80s, there wasn't really a proper hotel. Then the Marriott came in in downtown Downtown. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of hotels now and tour buses and tour guide companies. And the Circle Line is now not stopping in Brooklyn but has got the Hello Brooklyn Tour. And they're taking you from sort of Bay Ridge up to Williamsburg to look at the skyline, such as it is, the, or the coastline of Brooklyn. And as you go through that, you see, for instance, Brooklyn Bridge Park where old, really dangerous and decrepit and defunct piers that had been, you know, functional piers sat there forever and really through tremendous community effort. I mean, just Sisyphusian effort. This has been turned into a spectacular park. It has a hotel. It's sort of a public-private partnership arrangement. Um, There's a pop-up pool in there's, that area. There's a pop-up pool. Mm-hmm. There's a new marina. There's soccer fields with views of downtown of the the Statue of Liberty and the and and the Empire State Building. A I mean, carousel like, too, right? And there's Jane's carousel. Well, that's a little further up. It's in Brooklyn Bridge Park, but it's kind of sits in Dumbo. There's the wonderful um, playgrounds with water features for children. There's barbecuing spots. There's outdoor movies in the summer. With a backdrop of Manhattan, I mean, could you imagine seeing the movie Manhattan against the backdrop of Manhattan? I mean, how great is that? Yeah, a lot of tourists like to walk over the Brooklyn Bridge. Is there a right way to walk over the Brooklyn Bridge? Well, yes. The best views of the Brooklyn Bridge are leaving Brooklyn and heading to Manhattan. But you can stop if you're coming from Manhattan. You can stop and turn around and look. And another, there are several things. One is. Choose your time when you walk over the Brooklyn Bridge because it's gotten to be wildly popular. So go a little, be offbeat. Go a little early, go a little late, go when it's a little iffy weather-wise. It's nice to stroll at a 19th century pace across the Brooklyn Bridge because it is a the output of the 19th century. So that I would pick my time. I would definitely wear comfortable shoes. It's a longer walk than you think it's going to be. And stop underneath the arches because there are these beautiful bronze plaques underneath the arches that depict the building of the Brooklyn Bridge. It was an engineering feat of its time, and people lost their lives doing Mm -hmm. it. It was a really gutsy thing to do, and nobody had ever ever done anything quite like it before. And there's also a family backstory to it about the Roeblings. And so there's the... the experience in the moment of walking across the Brooklyn Bridge, but then there's the sort of connect to the historical experience. So it's really worth even reading the Wikipedia entry about the Roeblings to have a sense of the importance of it. And just imagine Brooklyn being its own city then and Manhattan being sort of the competitive city, like the Twin Cities. And this bridge now connects these two metropolises. And what that meant. And they designed the bridge for, with a pedestrian walkway. So there's traffic, car traffic below, and you have this broad pedestrian walkway. It's sort of fabulous. You know, 
it's a really nice place to propose. <laughs> That's what I think. And once you get over the Brooklyn Bridge, it's a little bit of a disappointment at first if you don't know where to go because it doesn't really look like you've arrived with a capital A. So that's where my book comes in is it tells you where to go. If I'm not mistaken, Mr. Roebling, the guy who created the Brooklyn Bridge, he died before it was completed and his wife saw his it His wife through? and his son. And actually there's, there's a, one of these plaques is of Emily Roebling. It's a very dramatic story. And you have the opportunity if you go, let's say you walk from Manhattan to Brooklyn and then you go into Dumbo. You know, it's important to remember sort of from whence it came. There are still cobblestones on some of the um, streets in Dumbo and these great big warehouses, although there are now lots of high-rise apartment buildings with million-dollar, multi-million-dollar apartments, but you can there are still trolley tracks in Dumbo. You have to remember that this was a working waterfront, and it's right adjacent to the Fulton Ferry, Fulton Landing. There was a ferry boat that took the produce from the farms in Brooklyn across to the market in Manhattan. And as you would have in any of these kind of heavy industrial port scenarios, you had a lot of kinds of people coming together. You had the farmers and you had these sort of flop houses. They'd have to stay overnight because it was too far to get back to wherever in Flatbush, you know, on their horse-drawn cart. So it's a very moody in a positive sense. It's a very characterful place, but you have to use your imagination because what you see today is a lot of commerce and a lot of expensive things. The waterscape in that part of Brooklyn is just really amazing. I mean, you can see, if you look to the left, facing Manhattan, you can see, which would be south, you can see New York Harbor and the Statue of Liberty, and there's always water water boat traffic. You know, there's always stuff going on on the water. And then there's the Brooklyn Bridge and the Manhattan Bridge and the Williamsburg Bridge and more water. And then there's the Chrysler Building and the Empire State Building. Mm -hmm. It's just spectacular. You've compiled a Brooklyn bucket list, 30 things not to miss. What would you say are among the most under-the-radar things in Brooklyn? Everyone knows the Brooklyn Bridge, of course, but what's under the radar? I don't know if it's exactly under the radar, but two places that I'm always highlighting are Greenwood Cemetery. It's funny to think of a cemetery as a destination, but it's pretty great. I have as many cherry trees there for springtime visitors as the Brooklyn Botanic Gardens. And And monk parakeets, the New York City parrots, right? I guess. I don't know about that. You got me on that Uh one. They're cool. Check them out. Um, and there are, are they've done a lot of. It's a beautiful place, and you can take a trolley tour, which is really edutainment at its very best. It's there's really a lot of characters. They call them permanent residents buried <laughs> in Greenwood Cemetery, and the trolley tour brings to life the stories of their lives. And you have to remember the people who were buried in Greenwood. Some of them were self-made. Some of them were politicians and some of them were inventors or scientists or, you know, industrialists. And they were hard scrabble, even if they were wealthy. This was, a, you know, a time when people made fortunes in the turn of the 19th to the 20th century. And they didn't do it by being wallflowers. So the stories of their lives and in some cases of their deaths is amazing. So under any circumstances, whether or not it's spring, I would recommend a trolley tour 
of Greenwood Cemetery. You can do a self-guided tour, and because it's a cemetery, it, the entrance is free. The trolley you have to pay for. Um, but you have to really do your homework to know where to look at these graves. And it's very, very uh, photo, photogenic because some of the statuary is elaborate. Um, so for people who travel abroad and like to go to cemeteries in Prague or wherever, you know, they should come to Brooklyn. <laughs> and the other place is the Brooklyn Navy Yard. The Brooklyn Navy Yard, again, there's a museum called Building 92, because that's what it was originally called, which gives a history of the Brooklyn Navy Yard. But you can also get on a sometimes bike um, or bus tour. It's a vast area. And it's interesting what well, they're retrofitting it like mad. There's the Steiner Studios, which is the largest um, television stage production studio on the East Coast. Now there's a school, uh, Brooklyn College School of Cinema there. There soon will actually be a supermarket, surprisingly. Um, there's just a, And there's tons and tons of these sustainable small businesses that make all kinds of things. That's a really interesting place to go. So they're not exactly under the radar, but I would go. I would also take the L train. I just Why take, the L? Because the L train is easy to get to from 14th Street in Manhattan. And if you get on and off the L train, it will cost you a few fares. But at every stop until you get to Bushwick, you really get the sense of how Williamsburg, hipster Williamsburg evolved. I, you know, I could go on forever. I would take a bike ride down Bedford Avenue so you can see the hipsters and the Hasidim, two unlikely sets of bedfellows, uh-huh. really unlikely. And they both wear beards, which is hilarious. <laughs> and, um, you know, the Hasidim, there's a couple of large Hasidic communities in Brooklyn, Williamsburg, Crown Heights, and Borough Park. And... In Williamsburg, you know, literally, I did it yesterday. You drive down Bedford Avenue, and for quite a while, you're in really, I don't know, Poland in the 17th or 18th mm-hmm. century in a shtetl. It's remarkable. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you're at Vice TV, you know. Then you're at <laughs> the absolute epicenter of the global brand that is Brooklyn. It spins your head around, although after a while you get used to it. So it's funny, you know. It's really fun. You also created a list of 20 reasons to fall in love with Brooklyn. Your number one is you can see the sky. But I love your number three, and that's the dry cleaner doesn't speak English. Yeah, right. (laughs) Well, in my neighborhood in Park Slope, uh, for many years now, uh, we've – I know the people on the street, you know. The guy in my neighborhood who runs – in fact, he was the subject of a New York Times article five or six months ago – he and his wife are Chinese immigrants. They run the little Chinese laundry. And their daughter, they have one child, their daughter has a PhD from Brandeis. You know, it gives you chills. It gives you goosebumps. It's what America is about. You know, in the body politic right now, there's all this discussion of immigration. Brooklyn is nothing if not a testimony to the hardworking, upwardly mobile, self-sacrificing immigrants that built this country. And they're still there in Brooklyn. You know, there's a woman who runs the bodega around the corner from my house. So I have two kids. One went to Stuyvesant High School. One day I walked into this place to buy a bottle of seltzer, whatever, and wearing a Stuyvesant High School t-shirt. And she led me to understand that her son was also at Stuyvesant High School. And it turns out our kids were in the same class. We've been fast friends ever since. You know, I go in there a lot. We kind of catch up through the language barrier. I have enormous admiration, for for instance, for both of these people. They work 
really long hours, sometimes seven days a week, six in the morning till 10 at night. These are mom and pops, and it, it, it's admirable. And, you know, this is the energy on which a lot of Brooklyn was built. Does Brooklyn have an attitude that is unlike any other borough, do you think? Well, I've written a book about Queens and several about Brooklyn, and I lived in Manhattan. Can't really speak too much for the other two. But, yeah, Brooklyn, Brooklyn's attitude may be changing slightly, but Brooklyn is definitely house proud. I mean, you know, you can go anywhere in the world and it's, you know, somebody will yell out like in a comedy club, Brooklyn's in the house. You know, <laughs> there's a thing. I think it dates back to Brooklyn having been an independent city and competitive with Manhattan. Yeah. And but Brooklyn definitely has an has an attitude and if you had to encapsulate it, it's you know, sort of one part moxie, one part pugnacious, one part chutzpah, and a whole lot of sense of humor. Your book also includes a bibliography of seventy five novels set in Brooklyn. Your favorite is Oh, a tree grows in Brooklyn. <laughs> 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 the book is The Brooklyn Experience. Ellen, thank you so much for coming in. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Ellen Freudenheim is a freelance writer. Her latest guidebook, The Brooklyn Experience, the ultimate guide to neighborhoods since noshes, culture, and the cutting edge, is published by Rutgers University Press. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. I'm George Bodarki. Thanks so much for listening. It's WFUV and WFUV HD New York. Listener-supported public media from Fordham, the Jesuit University of New York. Music discovery starts here.